You're listening to Lagos Talk Special with Emmanuel Odeyemi. Lagos Culture. Lagos Pride. Welcome to the new Oshodi, where people now feel safe. Lagos Talks. You know what turned me off with the last president? On 91.3. This is Lagos Talk Special. Join the conversation. Lagos Works. Lagos Plays. Lagos Talks. We can change from who we have, from the way they believe, to what we want and the way we want to be. On 91.3. Good afternoon and welcome to today's edition of Legal Stocks Special. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, Legal Stocks Special is a series of special interviews uh, that we normally have during the off season of the EPL. Uh, we bring people from different uh, cultures across social divides to talk about pertinent issues uh, that resonates with uh, basically everybody and then resonates with all of us as a nation. All right. Today is a special edition, uh, being Democracy Day, 12th of June. And we know the significance. Uh, on this discussion, I'm joined by Ugoma. Hello. Good afternoon, everyone. Hi, Manuel. Hi. Good, good, good. So earlier today on the corridors, uh, we had a very, very interesting, very lively discussion with uh, a former Deputy Governor of the CBN, Professor Kingsley Mongal, who were talking about the state of the Nigerian nation and then the significance of um, uh, June 12th, uh, which we briefly touched upon. Mm-hmm. And then his aspiration uh, to become the President of Nigeria, because, you know, last week he announced he was going to run in 2023. Mm-hmm. And so we spoke ab- about all of those issues and um, it was, I assure you, it was very, very lively. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that in the few, in the next few days, um, uh, that's, it was a Zoom, um, a Zoom discussion. It was on Zoom and uh, I'm hoping that it will be put up on our um, website. on our website yeah, for people to access uh, if, if for those who missed it. Yeah. All right. So Ogoma, today is June 12, and um, let's start by asking: what, what does June 12 mean to you as a person? I mean, the, I think the first um, the first thing that comes to my mind is when the military handed over power to a civilian um, government. So, you know, it marks democracy. It marks, um, I guess, a government that is for the people, that represent the people. Um, But again, there's a big question to ask, which is, does that basically translate into um, the Nigeria that we live in? Hmm. Right? Because um, we can say um, theoretical is... A democratic system however is it um practical mm. we see it so i think that that is what um i see what democracy really is thank you Goma. all right you know today we're still expecting our guests uh, to join us on this show um june 12 is actually a watershed in the history of in the, the political history of this country uh, that that was the day we add what is largely viewed as the freest and fairest election in the history of this country. But unfortunately, the man at the center of all the discussions around June 12, uh, Chief MKO Abiola, 
uh, who had the mandate to rule this country going by um, all the information because officially no results were ever published but from all everybody could see it clearly won the election uh it was rather unfortunate that uh, the military president at that time, Ibrahim Badamusi Wabangida, um, did what uh, <laughs> what people viewed as what a complete aberration of political process by annulling the elections. Uh, the reasons he gave were very vague and saying that there were things happening that could uh, cause uh, chaos in the country and all these things were tied to the election. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- th- there are many narratives around June 12, but it was a mandate stolen and taken from the rightful owner. And it's plunged the country into chaos, uh, resulting in um, the the interim government of uh, General Abdul, uh, 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 what's his name again? Abdul Salam. And then on to General Sonia Abacha. Mm. And we all knew what transpired until he died uh, and then um, we we know the stories that came afterwards. But then the narrative afterwards is, is always been that what is the significance of June 12 to us as Nigerians? Have we learned lessons from it? What does it mean for our democracy? And then, like one of the questions I, I asked my guests uh, earlier today, do we even have a democracy? And then you, you, you get questions from people who saw what transpired uh, during the June 12 uh, agitations, uh, activists and all of them, asking the question, what actually happened? There are many stories being told, including how Abiola died. Yeah. Well, yes, and these, these and many more are the narratives that still dominate the political space. And then, uh, so it is us as a nation at this time going back in history and trying to find out what exactly has happened over time. So my, my guests are actually in the studio right now and somebody is going to pay a fine anyway and he knows himself. <laughs> Comrade Adili Adiwali, uh, welcome. Uh-huh. Uh, for those who know him, Comrade Adili Adiwali is um, a former secretary of June 12 coalition and also uh, former chairman Amuo Odofi uh, local government. You're very welcome. Thank you so much, sir. And also in the studio with me is uh, Abdumumini Abiola, son of late MKO Abiola, is here with us too. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah, nice to have you here. My, my previous interview with you was on the phone about three years ago, I think. Yes, so so for, finally, nice to meet you in person. You too, sir. You too. All right, so I was uh, talking to Goma just before you guys came into the studio. I had a conversation earlier today uh, with uh, Professor Kingsley Mogalu, and we were talking about the state of the Nigerian nation. And then generally, the discussion dovetailed into democracy and all of the uh, uh, things that we normally talk about every year. And we try to approach the real issues that what what does it mean? So that's where we take the conversation from. Uh, I'll talk to uh, Comrade first. As a person, being a frontliner, you saw it all happen. We've seen videos of you uh, leading protests, even the, during the June 12 agitations, and then you've been physically present at some of the conversations that were being held around that time. You were part of those who were hounded, uh, chased by the military, 
and uh, you saw it all happen. What does June 12 mean to you as a person? Thank you once again and apologies. Uh, June 12 to us is about the people. It's about the Nigerian state. It's about the quest of the Nigerian people coming together and uh, rallying around the symbol, Chief M.K. Wabiola, who they believe, who we believe, that uh, was going to solve all the national questions that confront Nigeria. But unfortunately, that was short-lived by the military junta that not only annulled the election, but also killed the hmm. mandates and, of course, the symbol of the Nigerian hope. Uh, for us, June 12 has become uh, a system. It has become a process. It has become a date where Nigerians will rally in order to open conversation and, of course, put forward the agitation and uh, with the hope that the uh, gatekeepers and uh, people who hold the power for them will listen mm. and, uh, and carry on, carry along the collective will of the, of the people. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, so, um, uh, can I call you Mumini? Yes, you can. Yes, because Abdul Mumini is kind of long for me. <laughs> How does June 12 resonate with you, knowing fully well that you saw things firsthand? This, uh, you, 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 you could see it from the prism of your father being the figure behind all of this uh, uh, narration that we're talking about. What does it mean to you many years down the line? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, Lagos Talks, as I'm a fan, I listen to you like every morning. Even when I'm in Ghana, I... Um, stream it on oh. my phone so it's actually really interesting to be here actually I didn't, I didn't even know so that's so cool so that's number one uh, but yeah um, democracy um, and June 12 yeah you know you, you will say that it was about my father but I actually thought it was about the people mm. it's very important that we know that and I think my father thought that too if he thought it was about himself then he would have just let it go it was more than about my father it was about Nigerian actually believing in a collective future together. It was amazing. I, I for one, I, everywhere I go, even after 20 years, like the joy that people find, um, I see in people's faces when they realize that I'm his son. You know, these things you can't buy with money. Hmm. So I don't think this was Abiola's quest for glory because I think he was already, it was already, it was already great before even ascending, at, um, ascending to this position. And that is what politics is about. Nobody actually goes to school to learn politics, to be a politician. Nobody mm. does that. You go, you become a doctor, you become that, you become the expert in that, and then you now seek to give back by being a president. You don't, nobody goes to, nobody wants political office for, to have money or to be able to say, you know, or just to have the title. It has to be more than that. And I think that's what my father did. So I do, um, I am extremely proud of my father and my mom and everybody else who actually lost their lives. Mm. There were many people. Um, Ghani found me. It was like an uncle to us. You know, we lost so many good... We lost so many good... We lost so many good people. And I think it's important that we realize that we can't lose any more. Mm. God knows how many Abiolas have passed away just based on this insecurity that we're facing. Or just based on the decisions that have been made, 
by past leaders that they knew at the time would be wrong, but they still made it. Yeah. I want us to heal, and I, uh, I wish Nigeria all the best. We need to realize that we are more and we're stronger together than we can ever be. All right. And then you were talking about um, uh, those who lost their lives and um, all the casualties of the June 12 agitation. Uh, Comrade uh, will definitely bear me witness. There's a great guy. Um, I, I'd like to just do a brief shout-out to um, Ambassador Musbal, who actually lost his eyesight uh, during the struggle. Uh, great, great, great kudos to him. He was still called in earlier on the show today, and he sends his greetings to both of you. All right. So uh, moving on many years after, this is our democracy. Does it appear as if we've learned any lessons from what happened during the June 12 agitations? Yes, you first. Okay. Well, like, like I always say, even my father probably knew that democracy, it's a process. So I was very pleased to hear that in 1999 we were going to have a new dispensation of democracy. Um... I might not be pleased at where we are today, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I'm discouraged. Um, I believe that we could have been much further along. You know, it's one thing to honor somebody, but it's another thing to, you know, to just apply some of his ideology to some of your processes. You know, my father's watchword for June 12, 1993 election was accountability. If we're not accountable to ourselves, then who are we going to be accountable to? I think it's important that we don't um, just, you know, paper over the cracks. We should actually go to the root of the situation. I'm really, um, I'm excited at what I see today. One thing is that what I've seen is people actually, you know, coming out to express their um, unsatisfaction with the system. Mm. And that, that, is create, that is constructive. I can work with that. Now I know that people are, people are ready to say no to what has been going on. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to use violence in our approach. We've seen what violence would brought us. My mom's father's death and multiple people, other people. I know you said you somebody lost his eye. Mm. I met somebody who lost, who was shot in the leg. Mm. You know, losing a limb. I, I make this, I make this um, reference all the time. When somebody loses a leg, you have lost the leg, but you still feel the sensation like it's there. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lingering thing. We don't, we can't lose any more people. I be, I love. Like my my best one of my best friends is he's from the northeast. The, I know I know some some of my good friends are from the north. It would be really it would be really a funny thing if we cannot find a way to come together. So I'm encouraging all youth organizations to reach out in a constructive way. We can debate our differences and we can still go to bed at night without being violent. So yeah, um, I am I am not happy with where we are, but I am still very very hopeful. In the Nigerian spirit and our resilience, hmm. uh, comrade, have we have we learnt any lessons? Yes, we have. Yes, we have as a people. Yes, we have. And uh, lesson learnt is that uh, we've agreed to continue to engage in discussion. Uh, the discussion might not just be sitting on a round table. Discussions could also be marching on the streets, carrying placards in order to drive down our our quest so that the world will listen and the Nigerian government will also sit down to have this conversation with people that would lead us to our solutions. Hmm. 
All right. Um, part, part of the questions that are already coming in, uh, someone actually asked me this that directly and said, oh, I might not be able to call into the show. Could you please ask Momini if uh, he would love to one day become president of Nigeria? Wow. <laughs> it's, it's a funny question because I think people ask this question and I always look, I look at them and say, for such a beautiful country, who wouldn't want to be the president of the country? Like, there's so much love in Nigeria. You'd be shocked. You know, like, you know, I stayed in America for 17 years. You know, and then it will become winter and it's so cold, I'm shivering every time. Mm-hmm. Nigeria, 24-7, this is beautiful weather, you can do whatever you want. I don't see why you, anybody wants to even go to these countries. <laughs> it's, to me, it's confusing. I've been back since 2007. I have not left the continent. That's how bad it is. And I don't wow. have any interest in leaving. I don't understand. This, but I can see how people who can be, you know, be despondent about the situation. I can see it because I sometimes I'm upset. I look out my window and I see the, the situation. But I know that we can be better. So, yes, if it, if it comes up, but like I said, there is no man in this country that would, as anybody, a blind man would see that this, this country is a gem. And you just have to just take your time, polish, take, you know, just polish the edges. Beautiful country, beautiful people. You can't ask for a better. But have you have you started the process? You belong to a political party. Well, I've always been a progressive. Mm. I've always been a progressive, no matter the situation. They were preaching something that spoke to me, and that was. But I might not like the application, mm. but I've always been a progressive. So I've supported them as much as I can. And for instance, I'll give you an example. In Oshu, when my my Oga Ogbeni Ralph was in Oshun State, I tried my best to do anything in my power to make sure he was able to deliver on his promises to his people. Mm. You know, then that was what I did. I'm proud of his, I'm proud of what he did when he was in Oshun State. And now that he's minister for, for interior, I'm also proud of what he's doing. You know, he's addressing this, the issues with the fire service, civil defense. You know, I was even fortunate enough to be at one of, at one of his hearings when he was defending his budget. And I could see the passion he had. And I could see that, you know, for, for me, He's like a leader. He's my, well, he's my leader. Mm. So like, yes, I'm a progressive. So I was AC and AC. Wherever the progressives are, you find me. Hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, okay, comrade. Um, well, you you are deeply entrenched in Nigerian politics. You're past chairman of uh, Amor Dofin local government. We saw what you tried to do differently. You you brought a new approach. Although some <laughs> there were issues, some people didn't like it, but. Moving from there, the, the discussion now seems to be centered around a change in the dynamics of Nigerian politics. So, for example, uh, the old legion have been there for years. People are canvassing for a change, having the youth dominate the political space. Do you think this is the way to go? Uh, yes, yes. You see, you have to make it very robust. I remember when I came in in 2008 as uh, the chairman of Amuod of a local government at the age of 33. Uh, even though I felt I was too old at 33 to be chairman of a local government, if the space had been open to 18, hmm. a lot of people would have been because we've had bank managers at 27, brand managers at 26. It's not about the age. It's about the value that you're bringing into play. And uh, I remember then that in Pronaco, where I was the mobilization liaison officer under Chief Antonio Naro's leadership that I presented a paper at the plenary that 18 years should be the political benchmark into mm. any elective office. 
Uh, many years after, when the not too young to run advocates started their own, I, I was very pleased. But again, uh, it was also limited to a certain age, which I don't ordinarily, uh, I'm not comfortable about it. Because if you look at monarchical rule, uh, you are born into it. They only need to groom you to a certain age before you take the mantle of leadership. So leadership is about wisdom, is about the ability to listen, and about, about the ability to work with people as a team. And uh, when I came in, we were just two very young ones, myself and I or Joseph. And by the time we left, uh, the next set of people that entered the Lagos Assembly, they had more of youth that were coming in. Uh, the next set that came in to local government administration in Lagos State, as of when we left, were more of youth. So if you look at the percentage now, the demography, you see that in Lagos State um, local government system, we have about 90% of youths in it, as at when we came in, whereby you had the, the old uh, guards that, 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 that were in majority. But uh, apart from the youth coming in, what is the quality of leadership mm, that they are bringing? Exactly. And that takes us to grooming, grooming uh, leaders. Uh, Paimodu did say when he was alive, remember he was the first labor leader that uh, founded the labor uh, union, uh, did say that there are two major platforms to groom and grow leaders. Uh, that is the youth platform and the student movement. Pre-independence, if you look at those who fought for Nigeria independence and those who fought the colonial masters then, they were they, they started their advocacy as youth. Uh, Obafemi Awolo of, 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 of Blessed Memories, Dr. Namdi Azikiwe, even the Saudana mm. uh, and all of these people started as students and they moved forward to, to challenge the establishment and prefer very good solutions and ideology. And uh, that is one thing that is lacking in Nigerian politics. The, 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 the structure and the, the essence of, of, of having an ideologically based uh, political order. Exactly. Because we need to do that. Yeah, I agree with you. And because, uh, I'm sorry to interject, uh, Comrade. You know, what has uh, dominated political discourse in recent times is the major problem of the lack of ideology which you've spoken about. And this is what uh, enables people to do the cross-carpeting you see across political parties because there's actually nothing they stand for. Yeah. So it's easy for me to say, okay, I'm in Comrade's party today. Then tomorrow, I fall out with Comrade and I go to Mumini's party. And then next, I, oh, look, let me go and join Ugoma. Maybe I get something from there. So probably, we, like you said, we need to engineer a discussion. This is why I come to you. What should be driving our thought process in ensuring that we have a democracy or a political process that is enduring, such as we see in countries like America? Well, first of all, um, like I'll say this. Um, when we had the 1993 election, you know, and then it was con- truncated after the annulment, you know, it was, it was a really, really, it was a tragedy for all Nigerians. Because, you know, it was maybe our last energy. Everybody... They had already been like, you know, they were mm. confused. They were hope. They were, there was no hope at that time, and so there was somebody that was talking to people in their hearts, and they voted. They came out. And they said, "Okay, let's try," and then that was taken from them. Mm. So it was traumatic for Nigeria as a whole, not even only the Abiola family. Then, right when they expect, you know, like, okay, they now get a dictatorship. Mm. So now you're not having, you just jump from the fire pan straight into the fire. Fire. 
So now, when I'm like, so the trauma is now like double fold. Then, you're, you think your trauma is about to end, where your dictator has been, he passes away, and you're like, oh, you breathe. A sigh of the, relief. The person, <laughs> the day, the person who you were expecting to be president was supposed to be released, he dies. Another attack. So I think we were all trauma- traumatized. We were all looking for a solution. Here comes our savior, Abdul Salam, with a contraption. As, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. We were so jaded. We didn't even, we probably didn't really look at the document, but it stated on the document, we the people, which people? Hmm. This was a group of people who thought they knew better. I believe that we can amend, you can try to amend something that you know, but you can amend something you don't, don't know. know. I believe that constitution itself is faulty. It is not fit for Nigeria's purpose. Mm. Once we start to have a real discussion, see, that's why things come up. We keep papering over the cracks. You know, it's like, I don't see how we know what works. We know, we've read the books, we all know. We can't say, you know how they say the saying that development works everywhere but in Africa? You know, can you imagine that? Hmm. How is that possible? How can somebody actually say, it's true, the Africans, they can't be... De- it is, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a fallacy. Let me tell you that right now. If anybody believes that you can only do well when you go outside the country, no. I believe if you're exposed to the same equipment, infrastructure that the other worlds have, you will just be going just as far. Mm-hmm. And my father believed the same thing. When we start to become accountable for ourselves, we need to first make the decision of how we want to live together. Hmm. Fantastic. So that, that takes me to, um, the discussion around restructuring and the constitutional amendment. Uh, Professor Ito Sagi at a point said, let's go back to 1963 constitution. Answers basically almost all of the agitations that we're battling with. And this morning, uh, Professor Kingsley Mogalu said, he likes that idea, but he is of the opinion we should drop a new constitution and start all over again. I don't know if Comrade agrees with that. Well, either the 1999 or the 1963, or whatever constitution that we want to adopt, we must understand that there are contemporary issues that are different from the issues that made them draw up those constitutions. But above all, even if we have a perfect constitution, who are the people that will drive it? Who are the people that will apply it? Hmm. You can't just drop a document forgetting the fact that you also need the right people that are equipped with the right knowledge and competence to drive it. Otherwise, that document will just become a mere mere algebra that if you don't know how to interpret or solve the formula, it just becomes a funny document, an empty document in the hands of those who are going to apply it. So we have to invest more in human capital. You have to invest more in political education. You have to change. You have to change the thinking of people, drive it away from materialism and drive it into purposeful leadership that is selfless and driven by purpose. And we must also look away from material uh, gains because every electorate now in Nigeria is either attracted 
because of one material thing towards an aspirant or the other. Mm. Then we also have to rework our electoral system to the extent that it becomes driven by technology. Take, for instance, if I can vote within the comfort of my home using my cell phone, I don't have to go to the polling unit whereby a thug will come and steal away the ballot box or drive people away using violence or kill people in that process. You understand? It becomes difficult for any politician to use material in order to attract people. Mm. And this will also increase the participation of the citizenry. Exactly, I agree with you. you understand? That. To that process. Because one thing that drives them away is the fear of violence. The second thing is the fear that their vote might not count. So when technology drives our system, everybody will have that, uh, that, that belief, that assurance that every vote will count. Will count. And an example, uh, uh, an example of an institution that have done that is Lagos State University Student Union. Right now, in the last four years, the students have been voting using their phones. Oh, really? Yes. Nobody go to the ballot box. Nobody go to the polling center. And within few minutes or hours, they already know who have won. Who won the election. Wow. The election. That's significant. You understand? So I think we should look into... So, so, that so this is what we're talking about. Process. If students can come up with that concept and say, okay, we are voting using electronic means. So what stops us as a nation? And then, you see, I remember June 12, I was, I was in secondary school. I remember clearly that there was a fever all over Nigeria. Everybody felt something different was about to happen. And then what was remarkable again for me was at the point on the day of the election, like I was telling Ugoma before we started this interview, there were no official results published till today, but we, we all probably know how it turned out. There was that unity of purpose even in the north, people voted massively for MK Wabiola. How do we go back and achieve that same unity? Well, I think um, my Egmo, um, um, former chairman, um, Adewale, he said it all. Participation. You see, I've, I, like, I've been party to some elections and I see the, how many people that have the voters' cards. Then I see how many people that actually vote. Mm. You know, the disparity is, is alarming. So you can always see that even the mandate is on a shaky, shaky foundation. So I do concur with you guys that we need to incorporate in technology. You know, I think we use technology every, in, in every other thing. Why is it this one thing that we are so reluctant to do this? So I'm going to definitely be one of the people who will be supporting the adoption of technology, especially in this kind of process, so just to, you know, just to mitigate some of these, you know, atrocities or some of these crimes that happen based on people's interest you know so you can tell that this is a personal thing it's not about the people that are going to vote it's about your thing and that is not what democracy is about it always should always be and always should be around the people and that's why june 12 was different you said to yourself it was different if it was any other any other politician it would have been it could have been a bloodbath hmm. my father actually came out and said no violence he understood that once you do that, they will now have an excuse. Yes. And then, he also understood one thing that is even more precious than even if they, they, um, they, they won't have an excuse, that the Nigerian life is precious. 
he made it clear. He was, you know, my dad always used to say something, and that's why I think it's always good for us to look at each other as brothers. Because my dad said when he was born, they didn't give him a name until he was five. They named him Kashimawo. They didn't hmm. think he was going to live. He was poor. He was. He, he said it in his book, 1993 Manifesto. He said, he said, I was born in poverty, and I spent my adult life fighting poverty. He understood. It was so. It's so sad. Me, I wasn't born in poverty. I won't lie. But I could, I can actually, I'm sure I can feel for what he went through. Because he's my father. I can, and I can, the same way I can feel for people on the streets. You know, I think we should start taking care of ourselves. So first of all, let's try to push for inclusion of technology so we can actually protect our lives and, 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 and exclude, um, you know, the, those who are going to try to, you know, truncate our democracy. And then we can also participate more. We need to participate more. I want to see a situation where if, 20,000 people have voters' cards. The vote is decided by 15,000. Mm. That would be wonderful. Then that person knows he has mandate. He, the people in the, in, the people are going to work with you. It's not the other way around. You know, and, but I think what happened in Nigeria is that it's just been like, you know, it's like, they just, it's, it's been a facade. There's, they don't really need your votes. They, they, so they've already what you mean? Because I say what is shaking here, let we can't do it anyway. Okay, let the day pass. Yeah, just let's do a charade. Ah, I mean, like what honorable? You don't even need the title. You really don't. So what? What I've decided to do was to take action because you know we got the investiture. So they've actually acknowledged that June 12 matters. Now all I have to do is now try to push for some of these reforms. So I created a youth organization, okay. uh, sports, uh, um, a youth and sports and, um, development organization in Africa. Um, in fact, my brother here is my vice president. He's Yemi Shoyele. Um, he's also a, um, he can talk about what he does as well. But what I wanted to tell you, in a nutshell, is we have even when you're not in a position, you have to start solving some of these problems. What we intend on doing is exposing our children to the to the most like state of the art equipment to live out their dreams. I'm using sports as a as a bridge to get me into their psyche. But you can learn so much from sports and it doesn't only have to be in sports. You can and sports is it's a total ecosystem on its own. You can be the coach, you can be the trainer. There's so many different um venues. Also in the in the foundation we have a leadership cons- um um section where we want to now have discussions with youth or, youth organizations before 2023 election. We need to decide where we're going. Hmm. What matters to us. So when the people who want to take office are coming they can speak to what we already, the questions we're already posing. So we already know what to expect. What we don't, and you made a statement about people cross part, um, jumping from ship to ship. Yeah. There is no ideology. How do one, how can I sleep on on the left side of the bed one day and the next, and I'm on, <laughs> and I'm on the right side? It doesn't go thereby. Okay, for me, what we need to know is, we need to, we as youth, we need to have our own ideology and then let them feed into it and if they can't key into it then well I need to bang yeah hmm. so that's my position alright thank you so much yeah okay so uh, b- before we go back to uh, Comrade Ayodili um, there's a peculiar question I know you might have had it several times what was your immediate reaction when one when your father decided to do the Epetedo declaration and secondly the day you heard I died how did how did that hit you? Okay, well, you said two things, but there were actually yeah. three different things that, that that hit me at the same time. So it was in 1996. My mom, Elijah Kuru, as a builder, was shot. I was only about seven at the time. 
I went to school. When I got back, she wasn't there anymore. That was catastrophic for me and the rest of my siblings. We were seven in my mom's side. We, I had to be, um, I had to escape, basically, because they were actually looking for me and my younger brother, who happened to be in the house. We had to go to Kutonu, and I took a flight to the United States from Ku, to Kutonu. Hmm. Me and my younger brother alone, we were about seven years old. My brother was about five at the time. We went alone, unchaperoned. We, went, we met my sister, Hafsat Abiola Costello, in, in D.C., we were all traumatized. Normally, when we go to America, it used to be like, we'll go to California. We'll have like, you know, we used to have like, you know, a lot of space. I could, I would go to one side of the house. I'll yell, Hadi. I'm like, like, can you hear me? I'm like, I can't hear you. <laughs> it was like, that was the banter. Now, we're all in like a one-bedroom apartment. My brother, Lincoln's apartment in D.C. It's like, I was thinking like, is this, you know, it was a culture shock. It was so many different things. But we rallied around each other. And I, and I remember my mom for one thing. You know, we had limousines, Mercedes-Benz in the house. But when we used to go to school, she would say, I should take the 504. I'm like, not everybody has, so you should be compassionate. You shouldn't always flaunt your wealth. And whatever you can do to, to alleviate pressure from somebody else is important. So that's one. So that went by. Then the whole apartheid thing. Obviously, I was so young at the time, and I was in America. <laughs> Then I was I was trying to learn Akata. I was trying to learn the accent because I was already speaking in a dark, in a deep African accent. So everybody was saying African. He's African. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to start. I had to like recalibrate my my language. So now if you hear the way I talk, it's like they're like, "Oh, you you're American," but I'm actually Nigerian. <laughs> I'm actually Nigerian. So um, I didn't. I didn't. When my dad declared, but I knew he did it because he understood that I want people with you Wulu. He came to America, he, he escaped. I remember the last time I saw my dad, before, because that was the last time before he was arrested. He came to the soccer field. I was playing soccer with my brother. Like I, didn't, I was even aloof to what was going on, but I was just like, hmm. my dad comes, he gives me a hug. I was wondering, like, I couldn't say mine. <laughs> what is he doing on the field? He never used to come to the back of the house anyway, except there was a helicopter and he wanted to fly out. So he gave me a hug, he gave my younger brother a hug, and he climbed the fence into Sule Abuka. And I think he got a car that he now used to go to the airport and he escaped to go to America before he came back and he now declared himself and then he got arrested. So I didn't know at the time that that was the last time I saw my dad, but that was a memory that I will never forget. Hmm. I just saw him. I was, and he just stuck at me because I was so young. I was like, why is daddy climbing the fence? Like, he didn't make it. Coco makes it. Like, ah. But well, I, I pray that Allah protects him and my mom, wherever yeah. they are. They try their best. And I think that's all we can do. You know, it's been 25 years after their passing. Mm. It's been 25 years after their passing, but people are still remembering him. People, people are still giving him all this. So that means you can live after you after you die. Mm. You know, so it depends on how you live. So I still, I don't think we should be worried about what the day we die, but but how we live our lives. And I think that's the most important thing. So yeah, so that happened. And then when he died, it was a disaster. It was, a, it was I was with Kafila, Moriam, Hafsat, and my younger brother Hadi. And I just noticed that everybody was just crying. And I was like, why is everybody crying? And nobody wanted to tell me anything. And it was just a disaster because we thought he was going to be released. You know, I thought I would get to see my dad and, and and tell him that they killed mom, you know. But it, didn't, it was okay. It's okay, but it happened. And I just pray that Nigeria can, like, heal itself because it hurts. It hurts not having your family around. It hurts not having, like, there's so much I could ask my dad now. Like, I was like, Daddy, I want to marry this woman. And what is what does he think about that, you know? But I can't, you know. But I know that I know that he's up there and he's not sleeping. I know he's not sleeping. 
I know my mom is not sleeping either. And I pray that everybody else who has lost their life to the country and not like, you know, the, I just pray for everybody, you know. Like, there's no need for all this. We're, like, you know what I mean? Life is not the way people are taking it. And I'm saying, Can you? Everybody keep his eye for an eye for every time, then there'll be nobody in the, in the world. So I think we should look. We should look forward. We should all look forward. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mm. Comrade, um, you saw it all. You, you, you took part actively in the struggle to actualize the June 12 uh, mandate. But sadly enough, uh, it never happened. Do you think Abiola has been recognized enough by this nation? Uh, we can never recognize Abiola fully. It's not possible. The only way you can do that if we, as a nation, achieve what he wanted to achieve, and that is to bring Suko smiles and of course development to every doorstep of the Nigerian people. If we can do that, then we would have achieved Abiola's purpose to come in into politics because he had everything. He needed not come into politics. But again, there was a, a dear need. There was a dear need and he felt he could help solve it as a philanthropist. He had tried his best to solve as many as possible. But I believe he understood that with a single policy, all of what he had been trying to do, like throwing a coin in the sea, I mean, one man trying to solve the problems of over a hundred million people at that time, is just like throwing a coin in the sea. But if one man can bring about a policy that would change the dynamics, then he would have been able to solve the problem. That was why I believe he came into politics. And I only hope that we can deploy uh, technologies to drive our system, like we have talked about. We can increase uh, the political education and, of course, groom leaders, because we've had a lot of accidental leaders governing our country. People that were not prepared, people that are not prepared to go into leadership. The only reason why they are there is to put their hands into the pudding and take as much as possible. Hmm. So we need to groom leaders. Every right, purposeful society have been grooming their leaders. You were groomed to become a presenter. You did not just walk into the door. You were groomed for this job. So we need to groom leaders mm. in order to achieve the Nigerian of our dreams. Thank you very much. And so because uh, um, we're, we're gradually getting to the end of uh, the interview, so I don't know, probably we'll take a few calls and uh, if we have messages as well for people who have been listening to us. I've had in this uh, studio... Uh, engaging in this uh, June 12th uh, commemorative discussion uh, Abdumumuni Abiola, son of late MQ Abiola, as well as uh, comrade Ayodili Adiwali former uh, secretary June 12th coalition and also former chairman Amuod of the local government. So if you're listening to us and you want to join this conversation the numbers to call are 0809 which is also a WhatsApp line and 0809 191 3913 
0809-222-0913 as well as the landlines 01515-0913 and 01515-1913. So while we wait for the calls to come in, let me quickly um, do... Um, okay. Goma, are we, are we going to take the calls now? Yeah. Okay. Lagos Talks, good, good afternoon. This is Henry from Obalende. Henry from Obalende, you're welcome. Yeah, good afternoon. Let me begin by saying good afternoon to the gentlemen in the studio. All right. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Yeah, good afternoon. You are the heroes of our time. Hmm. Um, now, let me start with the sales style like this. I was just a boy of 15 or 16 when June 12th took place. And I still remember this sense of unity. Mm. I was from the I'm from the east, but that day, Igbo guys, everybody, Abiola was the name on every lip in my area then. Mm. But then the issue is this: twenty-two years or more after this term, after this fix, do we still say we have a democracy? Mm. Look at what is happening today. People are being muzzled to express their opinion. Going out to demonstrate peacefully has become a matter of life and death. Mm. Look at what threw the Twitter ban on Nigeria. At times I ask myself, do we still have that democracy for which many people died, including MKO? Honestly, I feel so bad today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Henry, for your call. Okay, before before that call came in, I was just uh, I was just going to ask a uh, uh, comrade this uh, peculiar question that somebody asked me to direct to you: that you being um, being a part of the younger generation of politicians, that what are the first steps to take on the path of recovery? The first step is to open room for discussion. Even if two people are fighting or are at war, if there is no room for discussion, the crisis, the divide, the division will never be resolved. So we must open a room for that. Uh, We must have mutual respect for each other's views, no matter how far-flung Uh, different those um, views are. Uh, Even if it's an extremist view, it is is not by reacting Mm. too harshly that will solve the problem. Okay. But again, we must open room for discussion. Can you turn off the volume of your radio or switch it off totally? Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, please. Yeah, this is Peranuma from Ikurudu. All right, join the conversation. Yeah. Uh, it is very, very emotional. Happy June 12th. Happy June 12th to you too. Yeah, we will continue the struggle. Hmm. We will not allow our voice to be short. Many have been dead because of this June 12th. We understand the fault of this June 12th by MKU Adiola. And we will not resist 
until our mandate, our freedom is being given to us. I really appreciate Abdulmumuni uh, mm. and the other comrades. Thank you very much. Thank you for your call. All right, so as we gradually get to the end of uh, the discussion, so let's go back to uh, Abdul Mumini. And uh, you know, the question I asked you earlier about uh, you wanting uh, to be president of this country, you gave a very hilarious uh, answer to that. So, your political journey, what is your focus? Are you looking at contesting for a position anytime soon? Well, first of all, um, I, I never seek. Political, I never no. That's not it. I don't need a position to, to make a difference. Like I said, like as far as I'm concerned, as a Nigerian, I already have a position, and if there's anything I can do, I'm going to already do it, and I'm already doing it. Like in in the back room, I don't necessarily have to be in the forefront. You know, I think that's most important. Number one. So yes, I do have political ambition, and that's one thing that the reason for this is because I was privy when I returned to Nigeria in 2007 to find some of my dad's briefcases. Then I was now exposed to the fact that he was actually instrumental in getting like people like uh, Mandela into office and Mussolini mm. at the time. You know, and, he went, and one thing that I actually found was also the Farewell to Poverty Manifesto, the Hope 19 Manifesto. The one copy, I'm sure it was the same copy because he made some uh, corrections on the sides mm-hmm. and so I saw my dad's handwriting. It was like scribbled. So I guess he was he couldn't really write properly. And my writing is too is not good. So I guess we're, I'm his son. So, um, <laughs> so um, anyway, so I have the um, manifesto. I made a, I made it into a soft copy. Okay. And I put put it on the website because the mkocenter.org um, has all this information on it, like everything my father really wanted to do. You know, he spoke about what the problems were, and I just want to just read a little something. Yeah, sure. From from yeah. the um, manifesto. Yeah. And it says, what are the realities today? And it put a question mark. And it says, the past and the present provides the reason for us to embark on a race to bring hope to our people. The lot of the Nigerians today, in today's world, is characterized by one word, hopelessness. It stares us in the face in all facets of our lives. Now, when he said that, when I, when, I, when I went through the whole manifesto and I saw what he had in mind and how he, how he tried to approach it, like the way he was going to approach it, I became inspired. So if he could not realize that in his, own, in his own lifetime, as his son and as his heir and the continuation of my father, I should be able to try my best. Even if I don't get there, I intend to imbibe, make my son read that book as well so he can start take it up from where I stopped. Hmm. So it's not a one, it's not me that will solve Nigeria's, all Nigeria's problems, but all of us in tandem. I had a, a event yesterday online where I launched the MK Abiola Center for Youth and Sports. And Mrs., and I thank her for this, Mrs. Abike Dabri, the chairperson of um, NITCOM, yeah. she was on there and she made a statement. She said, if all of us throw our pebble in the pond, we all make a ripple. You know, you know the saying: when so many ripples hit, then it becomes like it becomes it becomes automatic now because it's like brrr, everything's going at the same time. So we should all have our our pebble in our hands and be ready to throw it into the ocean, so we can make a ripple, we can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And as I make my own little ripple and you make yours, it all meets somewhere 
by the time you know we start to heal the country so yes i i encourage people from all over the place people who are, who have the affluent and the, and those who don't because guess what it's not really all about money it's really never really all about money and those that are trying to tell you that oh Nicole, oh, no matter uh, um there's a saying you know uh, um if you don't have money, uh, um, cover your face. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> for me. So, my you because you can't see. Well, we what the what the a vision and i think that's what leadership is selling a vision and the vision that people would rally around i remember hearing things about my boy here when he was chairman he was making waves yeah i think most of some of the ways he made and some of the reasons why he might be going through some hardship now you know <laughs> where if he maybe with hindsight he was like, comrade never gives up when I read it, I'm like, ah, what's the very happy? Okay, da. Okay, da. So, like, I, I, to all the artists out there, let's watch what we say to our hmm. people. Because those that don't have money... There's a lot of negativity in Nigerian yeah, music nowadays. So, so yeah. we, need to, we need to start to expose ourselves to... Because I remember a fella... You know, you know, my dad was, he, he was in my dad's music, um, under my dad's label at one point. Yeah. You know, but anyway, you know, then he came up with the ITT thing. I don't know about that. But, you know, but then when he talked about, you know, um, uh, everything, Jagger, you know, you know, some songs are like, you tell you about what is happening. The That's true situation it. of the things, yes. Yeah. The true situation is all that. But my master of whom I was told, come on, cover your face. What a way to end this discussion. <laughs> Gentlemen, I thank you for coming into the studio today. And uh, we, like, like we've discussed today, we hope that all of these engagements will, will, will show us the path to a better Nigeria. Abdul thank you so much for coming. It's a pleasure to meet you. And uh, comrade, thank as you. always, <laughs> always good to have you in the studio. Uh, to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us. Those who called in and sent in messages, we also thank you. I wish you happy Democracy Day. Excellence from the center of excellence. This is Lagos Talks 91.3.